Thank you so much for pressing play on episode 88 of A-Sides. I'm Andy, and this episode features a discussion I had with Corey Rosani of The Great Affairs, otherwise known as Rizzo. I've had him on here quite a few times. He's come back for, I believe, his fourth guest appearance now. This time, we're going to talk about his favorite grunge bands and why he ranks them in the order that he did. It was a fun conversation. Hopefully, you enjoy it. So let's get to it now on A-Sides. And cue music. I don't know how many of you have heard, but there's a flesh-eating virus going around. Yeah, it's called music. Thanks, Rizzo, for taking some time uh, to talk to me again. I always love talking to you, man. You always uh, have cool stories, and it uh, <laughs> seems like we have like a lot of commonalities um, and bands and stuff. Yeah, I think we, we like a lot of the same stuff, yeah. Uh, so I guess the purpose of this is because you had made a post back, I think it was like at the end of last year, like in December, and you um, were asking people to um, rank their favorites out of six grunge bands, being Alice in Chains. Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Candlebox, and Pearl Jam. So I thought yeah. maybe I would kind of pick your brain on why you chose the bands that you did and in the order that you chose them. Well, and you mentioned that list, and, and I went back and looked at it, and actually two of mine just in the last couple of months, I would say, have flip-flopped, but uh, the top three has remained the same. Oh, right on. Because, yeah, like I know, like I wanted to talk to you about it sooner, so that's funny that it did kind of... Uh, changed since then. <laughs> I didn't realize well, I was, was looking at it. I was ago. like, "Did I really put that?" I was like, oh, "Okay, I guess I, I guess I did." Huh. Well, here's something to start off. I guess this was something that came to my mind when I sat down to maybe like write a few notes. How uh-huh. do you define grunge? Because there's a lot of like different definitions and a lot of it means something about everybody. Well, as I was listening to, you know, I tried to do some homework for this as much as I could basically dove into the ones I was more familiar with, just like I usually do. But man, you know, as I was listening to it, it almost grunge to me almost was like, here's a new version of classic rock that, that that's sort of looking back on it. Now it really wasn't, it was, it was away from the widdly widdly eighties guitar solo. And, and the look was more, you know, if you look at some of those bands, it's like, Oh, they almost look like Crosby, Stills, Nash, Nash and Young. <laughs> You know, if you look at Pearl Jam, that's kind of what the, what they look like, you know, and the music was more melodic. It just reminded me of some of them bands I feel like could easily have been relevant in, you know, 69 to 75. So I don't know that, that you know, there's a defining grunge thing. I know for some people, grunge is, you know, the mud honeys, the, the more the Nirvana, the I don't want to, it's not being despair. I mean, it's just a little bit more sloppy rock. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's what some people, I mean, as some of mine, I bet people don't even consider 
quote unquote grunge. And I don't know that I consider any of those bad. I think they're all just cool rock bands, you know, I mean, cause I have a hard time with the, you know, the eighties, the hair metal band. Those, those bands were just melodic rock bands. So I don't know that I have a way of defining it. It was just a new breed of classic rock. I like the way you put that because uh, I kind of feel like too, like I've always thought of it, or at least for a while, was grunge was more of a look than a sound because a lot of the bands yep. that you chose and even some other bands, the like, I don't know, Screaming Trees or Meat Puppets or whatever. Yeah. They all kind of sound like different, you know, whereas like you mentioned the 80s, like the glam, a lot of them had the same look and the same sound and the same kind of like power ballads, whereas like I guess the grunge bands... Like, you can't say Nirvana sounds the same as Stone Temple Pilots, but they're in the same genre. Right. But I think also, if you look back, the ones that we're going to talk about are the big ones. There were dozens upon dozens that did cop the Alice in Chains look and did cop the, you know, same same as the 80s things. You know, you had the Rats, you had the Dawkins, but then you also had the, I don't even know, Tough, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Or like the Pretty Boy Floyds or something. Yeah, you know, and that's not disparaging to any of them. You know, actually, some of them bands that cop some of Allison Chain's stuff, I liked a lot. But yeah, so I think each one of those generations, too, though, you know, I mean, Rat sounded nothing like Tesla, you know, (laughs) but they were both lumped in that same thing. So it's kind of the same thing, just a different year. But yeah, you know, it was definitely a period where it was like, we're going to get rid of all the gaudy stuff from the 80s. I mean, I mean, you look at some of those bands, like the early Alice in Chain stuff, they were they were a glam band, you know. And Stone Temple Pilots, on the other hand, as they went, they almost became a more of a glam band. I mean, yeah, Wyland <laughs> became David Bowie. But all those bands that, you know, the ones we're going to discuss, I thought of that today, too. And I was like, was there an, uh, any others? that? But I think those were the big six that I think people would call grunge that yeah. were the biggies. Did any of those bands like influence your like playing or your uh, style? Alice in Chains would be the only one that I would say directly and in a huge, I mean, that's, that's my number one. Uh, Jerry Cantrell's like, I've, I've joked, I think maybe you haven't said on this, maybe I didn't on, on your podcast, but he's, you know, people have a spirit animal. He's my, <laughs> he's my spirit guitar player, you know? <laughs> If there was an Alice in Chains tribute band looking for a guitar player right now, I could I could do that gig in tomorrow. Uh, I'll go do it. You know, I, I love Jerry Cantrell and and Alice in Chains. They're one of my top bands. I don't know if you said that yet in a podcast, but I did write that down because I think you might have texted me that when I asked <laughs> about doing this. Yeah, Alice in Chains is my spirit band, and uh, Jerry Cantrell is my spirit guitar player. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. I mean, Stone Temple Pilots for sure were an influence, but I mean, Alice in Chain just kind of, I, I was obsessed with them when they first came out. You know, so everybody I knew was Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam, because they were kind of the first one, I think, other than Nirvana. That, but all the people I knew, Pearl Jam was the one everybody gravitated to. And I was like, fuck that, Alice in Chains, man. They're, they were more, you know, they were a little <laughs> bit more Black Sabbath, a little less uh, classic rock. And uh, they were really dark. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just thought they had this cool, this had a cool thing. They were the first one I kind of gravitated to. Like, I know all these bands or most of them were kind of like broken up when I was getting into them. But that was the first one that really grabbed my attention, too. Yeah. 
I mean, it's scary when you think too. I mean, out of the six we're going to talk about, what is it? Four of them, the singers are all dead. <laughs> it's just like, whoa. Yeah. And speaking of that too, I saw like right before I called you, Mark Lanigan, uh, he passed away today. Oh, no. Yeah. That sucks. I didn't know that. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it wasn't what, you know, what uh, it was for the other guys, but uh, that sucks, man. I didn't see the. I looked at one of the um, articles, but it didn't have any cause of death or anything. I guess it's like too soon. I mean, guys probably got to be, I mean, got to be close to 60 years old. Yeah, it said so, he was 57. Oh, what a shame. That's a shame. Well, cool, sorry to bring cool down the band. Was, yeah. Cool voice, like on the Alice in Chains Sap album, some of that stuff. <laughs> Deep shit he did all the time. <laughs> uh, he just had a cool, he was almost like Jim Morrison, but that band, I just feel like was cursed by their, their look. Not that anybody's looks, but they definitely weren't the, the cute ones on the block. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's a damn shame. Yeah, man. So I killed the mood already. No, I mean, from what I remember, he got sick with COVID at some point last year and almost died, I think. I think he was in a coma and stuff. Oh, shit. So I don't know if that's still complications from that or who knows. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Well, let's talk about the music, something fun. All right, man. So uh, out of those uh, six bands, Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Candlebox, and Pearl Jam, when you made this post, your uh, number six was Nirvana. Is that still the case? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, how come you? How come you put them at the chap, bottom? That's gonna chap some ass or <laughs> whatever. Uh, man, for me, they just other than Dave Grohl, nothing really else about it did it for me. Um, I guess maybe I, it's just because I spent so long trying, you know, and I'm not a natural at guitar, but trying not to suck, and it almost became a sucking is okay. And I even had an experience. <laughs> Sometime, I mean, it was well after, you know, it was in the early 2000s, but I played in a band and I went into the studio and the producer actually said, can you play something more like more adolescent, think nearby? And it was almost impossible for me because I'd worked really hard not to be sloppy. And there is a certain, there are guys that do that, all, I mean, really well. And, and he did it really well, but it just didn't speak to me. Almost just seemed like noise for the sake of noise. And the songs are really good. I mean, I definitely am the oddball on that band, too. Everybody loves the first album. I'm an in utero guy. If I had to, somebody said, pick a Nirvana album, it'd be in utero. Hmm. I don't really, I can't really put my finger on it. It just, the shoegazer, woe is me kind of thing, just, just never, uh, never spoke to me. And again, the songs are, are, are really good and interesting. Uh, recently, some friends wanted to get together and they picked a Nirvana song to play. And it was really like, oh, this is strange and not what, you know, not what I expect. The songwriting itself was really good. But again, it was like guitar solo. <laughs> and it was, it was almost so easy. It was hard. It was just really bizarre. So for me, <laughs> I really enjoyed watching Dave Grohl beat on them drums and stuff. But overall, just the whole 
their whole thing just never spoke to me. Yeah, I have to agree. Like, I guess they never really did anything for me either. Especially like, I don't know, like, I think I'd only pinpoint like maybe in bloom as the one song that I kind of liked, but like, I don't know. It just, yeah. It seemed maybe more like the hype or something too. Like they were more overhyped or something. Yeah, that could be it too. You know, I mean, I was one of them people when, when Guns N' Roses first came out, I was like, I don't know about this. Cause it was like, just everybody had a fucking boner for it. It was just like, I, you know. They just liked it for the sake of liking it, you know, or later on, then I was like, okay, I I get it, you know, and I I didn't get them at all when they first came out, but I I do get it now, but I still, it just out of the bands that we're going to discuss today, it was, it's the one that just doesn't hit me like that. And like I said, there's some of the stuff that they, I wish I could think of some of the songs, some of their more punky stuff, actually, I liked more than, and and like I said, Heart Shaped Box on that uh, In Utero record. I just felt like those were really cool tunes. That first album, you know, I'm going to say this and then I, uh, you know, I'll backtrack, but uh, it was a little (laughs) too poppy for me. But then on the other hand, I love Cheap Trick. So I don't, I can't really, yeah, it's hard to really put a pinpoint for me on what it is. I guess sometimes it's just like, you know, some people like pineapple on pizza, some don't, you know, uh, (laughs) And that's they're they're my pineapple yeah. on the pizza, you know. It just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Um, I guess I felt like with the overhype thing, I was only like seven in like nineteen ninety one, so I came like late to the party. But right. uh I just didn't know if it was like a perspective thing. But then it was kinda interesting to see you put them at the bottom. But, uh, yeah, it, it it and and they're the one I'm thinking of back on my, they're the one out of the six that I never saw live. I've seen all the rest of them live. I just hmm. didn't have a, I didn't really even have a, a inkling to want to go see them live. <laughs> yep. So well, like not- I said, somebody will, somebody will say, fuck that guy. But <laughs> Hey, well, out of these six, like, I mean, there's a stiff competition, I guess. So somebody's got to be at the bottom. Yeah. And again, I I won't, you know, I wouldn't rip it out of the CD player if somebody was, you know, (laughs) playing it or something like that. It's just, just, yeah, if I had the choice of these six, they would, if somebody said, play one first, they wouldn't be the one that I would pull out, you know, so. So your next one at number five, you had Soundgarden back in December. Is that still... Um, your number five. Well, I, that's that's the one that I feel like flip flopped. It's, it's, I feel like it's Pearl Jam now, but the tomorrow that those are the, the interchangeable ones. I feel like for me, uh, it depends on what day. I th- I think usually on a good day, Soundgarden would probably would be wouldn't be second to last. It would be Pearl Jam right above. And I feel like it's just over time. Their first three records to me are kick ass. You know, if we're going for a career, I can't say anything that Pearl Jam's really done in a long time got me. I think there was an album, what was that album, Lightning Bolt? I don't even know what year that came in. That that had a few good songs that I liked on it. I think but that's it the first one. In like 2012 or 2013, it's kind of going back a ways. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was. It was either that one or Backspacer. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, as we're speaking here, I'm looking at my iTunes and it looks like I have a lot. I mean, I've. Obviously, I have the first one. I have no code. Yield, backspacer, versus and Vitology and Lightning Bolt. But 
the first three for me, especially um, for me, actually, Versus and Vitology were just the shit. Like they were on <laughs> fire. And the, the drummer at that point, uh, Dave Abruziz, feel like he had a he brought something to that band that once he left it, it's just been different ever since and not a, you know not in a bad way obviously matt cameron ain't no ain't no slouch but the guy they had after him was jack irons the guy that was in yeah chili was, peppers uh, i think for yeah. yeah just didn't didn't love it you know it lost the uh it's kind of bombastic when when dave was in there Hmm. The drumming on those albums is great. Songs are, you know, a little more driving. So yeah, I, I, again, I would listen to all three of those albums. The first, but I'm I'm thinking career wise, they lost me after that. Whereas Soundgarden, I liked most of what they did, and Pearl Jam just kind of faded over time for me. Yeah, I think like I didn't really pick up on the um, drum sound, but I noticed like I listened to a little bit of Pearl Jam recently because I think I even said today it's like you you kind of got me to willingly listen to Pearl Jam because I guess it's all over the radio <laughs> and working in radio. It's like I'd hear all those uh, singles like all the time. Yeah, so it never made me want to revisit it. But I noticed like today I went to Versus was the one that I was listening to when I say in that text and it. Sounded like the guitar tone is way more like raw on that one versus like the first album. Yeah, it was the, those two albums, Vitology, and it was just kind of like, uh, yeah, as aggressive as Pearl, as Pearl Jam could get, you know. Yeah. I could listen to all three of those albums from beginning to end. Then after that, there's certain songs I like, but I can't say I was like, ooh, that was top to bottom banger. Um <laughs> For me, I have I have a friend that he'll go. That's probably his favorite band, and he loves them. And it's almost like the Grateful Dead, you know. Same kind of thing. He'll travel all over the place to see him, and that that's Alice in Chains, I guess, for me, you know. And he probably he feels the way about Alice in Chains as I do about Pearl Jam. <laughs> Those second, the second, third albums, just because even that first album, I think on that first album. I think Dave Cruzen was in the band, but I don't think he played on that record. I'm trying to remember Matt Chamberlain, I think, was the drummer on the first record. So he really wasn't in the band. I feel like when Dave Abruziz joined and he was there for those two albums and the tours, it was almost like the first time they were like five guys as one. And uh, I've heard multiple stories on what happened with that. You know, uh, obviously, I believe he was uh, asked to leave the band. Huh. Um, for uh, what you know, it depends on whose story you hear. I mean, he was for me. He was a lot. It was a big loss when when he left. So, I think I think what you said about Grateful Dead is like a really good comparison because it sounds like or it seems like well they've been around the longest like I guess longevity, but uh, they kind of have yeah. a fan base now. I guess like Dave Matthews and Grateful Dead, where it's people just follow them around, and then yep. they have all those live recordings where it's like. I think they were one of the first bands to do that, just to put out all their shows all those live, live to purchase. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were, and like I said, I saw them on was a second Lollapalooza or whatever, and and they were great. You know, I mean, they definitely didn't didn't suck, but uh, <laughs> it, it also it also seems to me uh, how do you, how do you put it? I'm trying to think how to put it. It's like Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam is what it seems like. 
almost like it's his band and you know tom petty and the heartbreakers that's that's what it feels like like he's tom petty and the rest of the band is the heartbreakers <laughs> it almost over time has feels like it's separated like that not that that's a negative maybe maybe the other guys and, and i could be completely wrong maybe it isn't that way but from the outside looking in that's what it feels like or looks yeah. like i guess every band's got somebody that's like out front like that though so he gets the spotlight yeah, I mean, but, you know, one of the rumors is, you know, he didn't like Dave Abrazee, so he was asked to leave. You know, he he has the power of one to fire another guy. That's a lot of power, you know, yeah. in a band situation, you know. And yeah, maybe the true. other, maybe I, maybe that story is completely blown out of proportion. Maybe the other guys are like, fuck him too. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. From the stories I've heard, it was pretty much one guy didn't like the other and, you know. Who's going to go, the singer or the drummer? The singer kind of pulls the trump card, you know? Yeah, true. <laughs> so you said you flip-flopped, though, uh, with Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, right? So Soundgarden is next up? Would be number four. Yeah. yeah. Looking, and I guess some of it, too, is looking through their catalog. Just all of their records are just, and I'm going to be the odd duck here. The one record, my least favorite record is Super Unknown. No, <laughs> the really? one that everybody loves. Uh, and it's not like, and I say that's my least favorite, not that I don't like it. It's just, I look at their other albums. I mean, it would be bad motor finger, louder than love down on the upside. Love that record. And then the last one they put out, King was I don't remember what was it called? Yeah. And then maybe super unknown production wise. It's incredible. But, uh, yeah, the songs on some of them other ones especially bad motor finger and uh, down on the upside. I just like the, you know, Ty Cobb and pretty noose. And some of those songs, I just, yeah. Like burden in my hand. Speak to me more. Yeah. Um, Blow up you, the outside world. Yeah. So did you I mean, see some, them live at all? I saw them twice at Lala. Both were, I think their first time on Lollapalooza and their second time on Lollapalooza, which was, the first one was, I think they may have been on with Body Count, Pearl Jam, and I can't remember who the headliner, maybe it was Red Hot Chili Peppers that year. And then the other one was the Metallica, uh, Ramon. But that was right before they broke up. So I saw two different versions. I saw the Lollapalooza where they were, I think, bad, they were on the Bad Motor Finger and they were on fire. And then the Metallica, and it, you could just see it was a band not in a good place. Oh, damn. Um, but I, and I did get to see Chris Cornell. Uh, I saw him on the first record and then he did a tour. How many solo records does he have? I, don't, I thought there was only two, but maybe there's three. I've kind of lost count because um, I guess he had though, he had one like Euphoria, uh, morning. morning. Then he had yep. one, I think like after Audio Slave. And then, uh, he had the, like the last one he put out. Where, geez, I forget, but it looked like it had like a triangle or like a mountain on it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember which one. I think it was. Yeah, I saw him on the Euphoria Morning Tour. And then maybe it was the second album. No, it had. Maybe it was. Maybe he was just doing a run. Because hmm. I don't think. Because it had to be 2006. 
But anyway, yeah, I saw him in Dallas at, on the 4 morning, and I saw him in Minneapolis on the second second tour. And uh, oh, he was I great on, was great on both. The, I just thought of the one with the triangle that I was singing up. I think it's called Higher Truth or something, but okay. I can't think of the song that like, was a single. So, yeah, I did get to see him twice, and I saw the band band twice. And the second time I got on the road, and our drummer knew him at a night off. So we got to go to the show and I was so hoping I'd get to meet him, but we just, just didn't happen because I was a huge fan. So, I mean, the guy's voice is incredible. So I, I saw all together. I've seen him four times in the band twice and three of them were fantastic. One was a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. It was just like what they were, they were kind of on the, um, yeah, they were done. Yeah. Dang, well, that sucks, though. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it it, it happens. I've, yeah. I've seen several of those. I was going to say one thing with Soundgarden, too, is how uh, going back to your um, new version of like classic rock, like. I was uh, thinking this before and it kind of uh, popped in my head like today. They're kind of almost Black Sabbath-y. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that first record. Well, I take that back They're, I mean ultra mega okay or whatever i mean that's a, but the, the louder than love album i mean they're full on that kind of thing you know yeah even even something i think one song mailman it's got some really like like heavy like riffs that kind of sounded like a sabbathy from that uh super unknown yeah but uh but yeah. then <laughs> that goes to one thing that i actually read when i was looking up um the definition of like uh, grunge and if it was like the Seattle sound or or whatever I forget where I came across this but it said 80s metal and punk were like these riffs that were played like really really fast and like up and they ascended on the guitar uh, but then right. um, when you had grunge and stuff or the alt rock bands they like basically had the same kind of riffs or notes but they like descended or something okay he played it like down so i've never yeah i've never thought about that i guess it did kind of make sense when i heard that because like i don't know i never really heard it put that way before but yeah slowing down some of that stuff kind of adds some of that sludgy uh sound i guess yeah i mean uh and their their, their tones they definitely were not going for those you know the 80s tones either it was yeah. the, you know real just crushing blow <laughs> Low sounding, you know, I mean, a lot of those bands, especially like Alice in Chains, used drop D quite a bit. So it was, you know, they're going for that dark thing. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Well, you've had Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden. So your number three is that a uh, Candlebox? Yep. All right. And that that's one that that's a polarizing one for some because some people, I mean, a lot of people don't even consider them part of that whole thing. You know, they are a Seattle band, but Again, they're one of the ones that I hear, and they they just sound like a rock band, a, a killer rock band. The guitar player was a monster. Kevin Martin, I mean, he's still, I'm, I almost feel like he sings better now than he did back in the day. And unfortunately, you know, I mean, the current lineup, there's only him that's original. And the, the, the four originals get together, I think, about every few years and do like the Lucy record. It was the anniversary. So they do like a few shows in Seattle. Hmm. But when they go out and tour in full, it's just Kevin and then a, a bunch. Of, I mean, the band is killer. The new album, too. Their new album, Wolves, 
is awesome. Um, yeah, so, I agree. Cause these guys, like, I don't know, they never really were on my radar a whole lot. And then, yeah. um, Brent, who, uh, um, I do this podcast with, I have a group text with him and another guy. And that guy suggested, uh, that we listen to Candlebox album Wolves. And I was like, Oh, holy shit. Maybe I need to pay closer attention to this band. Cause that album was awesome. Yeah. And then, like I said, the first album's great. Uh, actually, they're ones, they're like Pearl Jam in the sense the first three albums they put out, I, I love all of them. I mean, the, the self-titled Lucy and then the, the third one was called Happy Pills. And that was when I don't think anybody, but, but there's some awesome songs on that Happy Pills record. And then they put out a record, I don't know, maybe many years later, maybe 10 years later, they may have put out it, but they put one out called into the sun, hmm. which is killer. And there's a, there's a great song on there. That's like a ballad. I, I, I just felt like they kind of had this cool thing that they almost were a little bit throwback to the eighties. Cause they had these cool ballads that were a little bit more eighties style than some of the other, other bands. Yeah. There's one on into the sun called miss you. And he wrote it about his dad passing. And I think the story goes, he said he had some show with like in Europe or something. I could be, this could be making this up out of my ass, but I, I feel like I read this somewhere. His dad said, this is what you do. You got to go because his dad was really ill. And he said they played the show and it was raining and he kind of knew while they were playing. He was just like, my dad just died, you know, kind of thing. So he wrote this killer song called Miss You about his dad. That's just, uh, it's just a killer song. Just a good, it's a good tune, you know. <laughs> Same with the new album. There's a, you know, Let Me Down Easy, I think is the one I dig. There's just, the songs are just good. You can't, you might not like the voice, or but you just can't deny, just like me. And I, I, I don't love everything about Nirvana, but you can't deny that some of them songs are just fucking good, good songs. Yeah, true. Um, I guess like you're saying, it's all about the song too. I just always was drawn, I think, to especially those guys, just his voice is just, I mean, especially if you see him live, like there's some footage they reunited, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, and so they got a live album, might not even be on, because it was on some funky label, but it was just called Live in Seattle, and they come out doing Arrow, and he just kills, it's like Chris Cornell level, like his voice is just incredible, hmm. so... I just always uh, appreciated that. And then again, you know, I lean towards it too, because as much as I like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Nirvana, if you listen to those bands, there's not maybe Pearl Jam, a lot of bluesy, cool guitar, but Soundgarden was kind of sloppyish. There wasn't a lot of guitar solos, whereas Candlebox, that dude ripped. I think that's why sometimes I lean towards that, because I love the guitar rock kind of thing i just grew up on that you know the yeah the shredders so not that he was like a, a complete shredder but when he wanted to let loose he would and it was peter Klett, i think was his name so huh. yeah great man have you seen um have you seen them a lot i actually never saw them live now that i'm thinking about it they're the one i never they're probably well, them and Nirvana. So, yeah, I don't think I saw Candlebox. I did see Kevin live, like his solo thing. Hmm. But now I'm thinking about it. I don't think I ever got to see them. 
now I'm bummed. No, <laughs> but I did, I did get to see, I did get to see, uh, Kevin Martin and, and, uh, I mean, him himself was, was killer. Huh. So yeah, I don't think, I think they have a couple other albums maybe in the early, like, or 2012, 2015 or whatever. And they kind of lost me on those. I should probably go back and re-listen to those. But the, the newest one I know is, I mean, I heard the single and I was like, oh, I got to, I got to check this out. Yeah. Yeah, it is awesome. I'm off to check out the end of the sun. Yeah. It's really good. Um, the top two, well, your number two, well, you had, uh, previously STP, right? So that's still the case, I guess, cause they're not your spirit. That's um, still the case. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're, that's still the case. Yep. Yeah. And then, and I even still, you know, I'm one of the, I like the stuff they did with Chester. I like the stuff with the new guy. Yeah. I think the only album I don't like with them is the, the, I think it's the last record they put out. Oh, the peace sign. It's like an acoustic-y one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is that what, it, what is it called? It's got a weird, oh, weird uh, title. Oh, wait. Um, I thought you meant the one you didn't like, um, was the peace sign one or whatever. Um, no, I love that, right? The Perdita, uh, the, the, the acoustic-y one they put out with their new singer. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, it came out right before the pandemic. And, uh, I yeah. had tickets to go like see them. I think it might have yeah. been like February 2020, but that Jeff, uh, heard his back. Or something. So, so it wasn't canceled because of the pandemic. It was canceled because of an injury, but then they never made it up. But yeah. So that's the only one that I could say, like, it's not, not my favorite, but yeah, the dude, the peace sign one. I love that one. That's, that's got some great ones. Huckleberry Crumble. And I uh, think, I think that one's kind of weird, but, but yeah, like I like one on there called Bagman just because I guess it is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Hickory Dichotomy. I think that's another one. Yeah. And they, they went so far. I mean, the only album I would consider them even in the ballpark with those other bands is the first one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe the second one, maybe Purple. From Tiny Music on, they were their own thing, you know, and anybody wants to say they suck. Just, I mean, the range of that band, definitely out of the six, I would say career-wise, the, the, the music, they just, they were more adventurous. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Like every album sounded like different yeah and that tiny music record is so good it's it's so good man i i i saw them on that tour but that's one of them albums i at that time buddy of mine lived several hours away and it was when well it was when i had that you had like a tape player that went in the tape and then a little connector and went to a disc man oh, and it yeah. was you know so i had a you know late late 90s mid 90s and i just remember that that album on repeat just repeat, repeat, you know, because one of them ones I could start humming the next song when the next, because you kind of knew the playlist, you know, it was like you knew what song was coming. So, and there's adhesive is incredible. Tumble in the rough that, that, that album is probably one of my faves. That one in uh purple, purple because um, yeah, it's heavy. I, I talked to you back in the summer Cause they put out like a uh, tiny music, like deluxe edition. Yeah. And I remember you saying that that one was your favorite. And uh, so I was going to get it anyways, but I put it on and it actually like, I think purple is my favorite, but like tiny music, I guess I'm going gives it like, I guess it gives it a run for its money because there's a lot more, I guess, going on in that album. Like there's just so many 
uh, sounds in the background and like layers and like the bass pops. I don't know, man. It's just like an experience listening to it, I guess. Yeah. It's just, I mean, they were at their apex, I feel like at that point, even though they did have some good, you know, the number four record, that's 95% gold. So <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking again, I'm going through their, uh, their little list here and yeah, I mean, all these records, Shangri-La, there's, you know, Coma, Killer Song, Hollywood Bitch. So there's uh, Too Cool Queenie. There's, there's some killer tunes So also. So, I mean, they're they're definitely a, a run for the money for the top slot with, with Alice in Chains. And, and I did get to see them on the Tiny Music Tour and the Number 4 Tour. And I've seen them with uh, Jeff Goot as well. They just, they, they never suck either. You know, was, you know, every once in a while, well, like I said, you know, I saw Soundgarden four times and one of them was a, the turd in the punch bowl. Uh, <laughs> there, there, I've never, the three times I've seen them, they were always good. You know, I think my old, my only complaint ever is they played in Nashville here with Jeff Goot and they did, I want to say it was, uh, which song was it? Yeah. One of their songs they did and they brought some country girl out. Uh, that I have no idea who it is. I don't know if they're managed by the same company, but it just was just like, oh, come on. And, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, this is, unne- this is unnecessary right now. You're ruining a great song, making it a little bit country. But I, I guess everybody did, did that shit for a while, especially, uh, I don't know, when was that? Uh, that? That had to be four years ago, three years ago. So it um, seemed like the soup du jour at that point, everybody, you know, Started with Bon Jovi going a little country and then lit going country. And before you know it, everybody's fucking country. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and more power, you know, more power to whoever. But it was just one of them things where it was like, who is this girl and why is she out here? And why are you playing that song kind of country? <laughs> you know? Oh, that's so uh, other than that, one song at one show, all three of those shows killed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they're monster, monster band and. Killer guitar player again, killer bass player, killer drummer, killer singer. There's not a, not a, not a weak link in that, in that thing. Yeah. Like it just sucks though. I think, cause it seems like they always, it seems like that band, they'd always have momentum and then they'd have a setback or something. Yeah. Like I said, I saw them on that tiny music tour and it seemed like things were going well, but I think right after that's when he got in trouble and went to prison and then, uh, he got out and they did that number four record. And when I saw that show, I mean, he had just gotten out and was still clean. God damn. <laughs> was just, anytime you said there's some footage too. I think there's like a live in Chicago. And I think that was another thing where they got back together and he was clean. And man, when, when he was on, he was on. And I think he even said in that last podcast, said, you know, I got the honor of playing several shows with Velvet Revolver opening up, not yeah. playing with them, but opening up and, and, Man, they had him on lockdown all the time because they were worried, you know, basically he would show up to show play and then he would leave and they, you know, have guards with him. <laughs> so he wouldn't go smoke crack or whatever. But, uh, but nonetheless, I mean, the guy slayed. I mean, he's just, he was a rock star that didn't seem to want to be one, but you put him on stage and let him loose and he was the real deal. Here's something I got to ask too. Um, I guess, uh, they weren't, technically like one of the Seattle bands and they might've been like a one that came later and kind of borrowed the sound of um, grunge. 
Um, but Bush. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about them? Like, like since you didn't have them in the six uh, to rank. I really like, uh, like, my favorite album by them, I think, if I had to pick, would be, they had a record called Golden State. Yeah, yeah, it was like 2000 or 2001 or something. Probably. That's that's probably my favorite by them. But, again, you know, I, I mean, actually, and their last record was really good. The, the what was it called? The Kingdom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Both of those were great. But I also liked... His side band, uh, what is it called? Institute or whatever? Yeah. That yeah, band, I, I like more than Bush, which I think that now is mostly Bush. Uh, <laughs> I think the guitar player from that is the guitarist in Bush now, who he was the guitarist in, I think, Helmet. Yeah, yeah. Um, like Chris Trainer, I think. Yep. I think is his name. So, so yeah, they were, uh, and, and I've gotten to open up for them too, and they were, Really nice guys, especially oh, yeah. Chris. He was super nice, but I think he's a germaphobe. I wouldn't shake his hand. He wouldn't shake my hand. And this was <laughs> pre-COVID, and then somebody told me he's kind of got social anxiety or something to that effect. And I'm like, well, good. I thought maybe I thought I was a dick, <laughs> <laughs> which he very well may have. But, yeah, it was just one of those like, hey, man, nice to meet you. And he's kind of gave me the nod and left me hanging my hand out there. But I guess that's might be his thing. And actually, I don't think the drummer is in the band anymore either because they had the, was the original drummer and singer for the last however long. But now I think it's just Gavin. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because I thought, I thought, yeah, he was still with them too. But, but yeah, the, those two out, the, the last two, the, the, well, the Golden State and then, uh, the Kingdom, I really liked. But the one that, you know, most again, I'm, I'm maybe I'm just a weirdo that way, but the one that everybody, gravitates towards is always the one that I would give it a 16 stone, but I, I'm in the sea of memories. I, I think I have that record. There's, there's some cool ones, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I guess they just never were on my repeat list. And, and to be honest, if you had to like make it seven, they would be above Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I was just thinking iconic. Grunge, grunge era bands, you know. Yeah, because uh, I guess yeah, mostly mostly those bands are like all the ones you have. I guess with exception to um, SDP, are the Seattle bands. Yeah. So, and I yeah. guess I think yeah, what I think Bush came a little bit later, like ninety four, ninety five. So they were kind of out of that. Right. Initial yeah. era. Yeah, I think they were a little bit later. But yeah, I mean they're they're another good one. Yeah, and if you, if you want to add them to that pile, yeah, they would be they would be number six, and Nirvana would be number seven. <laughs> so let the hate mail be. Up. So <laughs> all right, man, on to um, your spirit animal, um, Allison Chains. Yeah, what was it that hooked you? Like, was it on MTV or like the radio or? Man, it was. I remember seeing the the first video. Not not Man in the Box, um, We Die Young. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this band is kick ass. And I remember buying the record, and it's one of them records for me, as it goes, it almost gets better. Like the, some of the hits, like We Die Young, Man in the Box, it's, it's almost like they did the, the old school thing where it's like the hits are at the beginning of the record. But then you get to the middle of the record, and it's like Love, Hate, Love. That's probably my favorite song. It's so dark. 
and creepy <laughs> and weird and uh, put you down. Had kind of a cool, they just, they just had this cool thing that uh, even the song Real Thing at the end of, the, I think that's the last song. And his voice was just so unique. And the guitar playing was right up my uh, my alley. It was kind of that. I mean, they just had a lot more elements of heavy metal, which I was more into than any of the other bands. You know, really good guitar player, drummer that was wicked. Yeah, so it just immediately out of the gate, I liked it. But then when I listened to the record, as it went, I, as it got to the middle of the record, that's when I was just like, oh, shit, I, this is cool. And that whole first record, the EP and Dirt, I mean, I... There ain't, there ain't nothing wrong with the even Jar of Flies. There ain't nothing wrong with those. I think the one, one-legged dog album, there's a couple songs that I'm not like in love with, but there's still, and at that point too, I think Jerry was singing more. Lane just had such a cool voice that it sucked that he wasn't able to be more, I guess, involved. But then again, you know, once he was gone, you know, that first Black Gives Away to Blue I mean, Dirt would be my number one and Black Gives Away to Blue would probably be my number two record in their career. And it doesn't oh, wow. even have Lane on it. Yeah. They came back and it was just like, again, it was like, I heard that A Looking in View, I think was the first single, you know, and they, they led up to it with this cool thing and they just, man, yeah, same thing. I listen to the record and as you go, you know, the middle of the record again, it's a seven minute tune, like, you know, Acid <laughs> Bubble. Love that song. You know, yeah, I think um, Elton John even played on a song on there too. Like, puts yeah, on there. I think he played on Black Gives Away to Blue on the, the title track. Yeah, I think the latest record, if you go on YouTube, there's a movie and it's all every song on the record, it's like part of the movie. So, if you watch it one after another, they came out a little bit at a time, but now if you watch them in sequence, the music kind of is the speaking, I guess. And whoever did that, you know, it had to take forever to do, but it's on YouTube and it's, it's every, I think it's every song from there has like a five minute film huh. attached to it and it tells a story. And I'll have to check you know, that out because I really like that last album. What was it? Um, Rainier Fog? Rainier Fog. Yeah. I, again, I, I got, was lucky enough to see them on the dirt tour and then I did see Jerry solo once and. I haven't had the, I, I wanted to see them every time. Like when they played here, I couldn't get tickets. The next time I was out of town, there's just always some reason, but then that, that new guy is a monster. And now, you know, they have him who plays guitar. He's a killer guitar player, has a cool thing, can pull off the old stuff. His voice is cool. I mean, Jerry Cantrell is the riff master. The guy just writes cool shit. And it's some of it's just so simple. Check my brain. If I brought that into rehearsal, everybody would look at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? But <laughs> all he does is play one note, bend it up, and then bend it down. It's just the way he does it, man. And drums kick in, and it's there ain't no denying that. Even that solo uh, stuff, like like one um, song that hooked me was like Anger Rising. Yeah, man, that those solo records are killer. Even his new one, it's it's definitely got it's. There's some killer songs on there. The guy just can write cool songs, and he's not. The thing I always liked about it is I could look, I could actually learn their songs. They weren't like impossible to learn. The guitar playing was great, 
but it wasn't like the eighties where it was just like, you know, Warren D. Martini was like, I ain't never, <laughs> I can't do that. You know, where Jerry Cantrell was like, this is killer. And I can do this. Like I, I can play this, you know? So, and like I said, once I saw him live, I was, uh, that was, that was it. You know I mean? I was already into him, but then once seeing him live, it was just like, oh man, these guys are just killer. Yeah. There's some great, I mean, like I said, on the dirt, I said it earlier, there's not a turd in that punch bowl, you know, and, and same with the, <laughs> same with that sap, that's the sap EP actually popped up the other day. I listened to all the whole thing, you know, five songs and I was like, man, it's been so long, but I mean, they were one of the first ones to do that. I know everybody was doing the, but I mean, they did a heavy album, acoustic album, heavy album, acoustic album. You know, they kind of had that cycle. The first four, it was, you know, heavy album, acoustic EP, heavy album, acoustic EP. Heavy album, I'd be willing to bet if that what went down didn't go down, they probably would have done something again. You know, it's just not a lot of bands could pull that shit off. I think that's what really stood out to me, too, when I was I like that balance of like the um, acoustic or the softer stuff and then the nasty sound and stuff. Yeah. Even the one I go back to the most is actually the MTV Unplugged album. Yeah. Yeah. That one's great. And that was near, you know. I think it was near the end of uh, Lane's situation. Yeah. I actually, I just watched a documentary on that. I think Jerry Cantrell had food poisoning and uh, Lane, uh, Lane was Lane. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they were great on that. What was the one song on there? They never put it out. It was only on that acoustic album. Oh, the killer is me. The, yeah. the last song yeah, they play that, that is killer. You know, it's like why that should be on a record record, you know, and to be able to play those songs too. That's that shows how simple some of their stuff is. Like a lot of bands, you know, it's not like you could play. Uh, She's only seventeen on an acoustic, you know, but winger, um, <laughs> which I, I'm not dissing that. I actually I love that era of shit, but their stuff was easily playable you know you grab an acoustic and strum it or get the electric out and chug it you know it's like man, there's a certain magic to that not a lot of bands can transform their songs into an acoustic thing but i mean you, you look at that acoustic record the unplugged thing there's like 12 songs and some of them are you know sludge factory <laughs> <laughs> who, who would ever do that acoustic you know but they're they're able to pull it off yeah there's there's just something about that band that from the second they came out. Cause I think they came out. What year did, what did uh, the first album come out? Facelift. I think it was right. I think it was 1990. Cause it would have been right before 91. Um, you know, with Nirvana's and Pearl Jam. Yeah. So, so I was going to say they were yeah. one of the first and I was still in high school. So I remember, you know, wait, no, no, no. I was six years old. Uh, <laughs> 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 but no, I, I, uh, I know you were six. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> It was still coming out of that whole 87, 88, 89. It was, you know, it was a great segue for me into that kind of thing. And it, like I said, it, it was kind of almost in between. I mean, I, maybe they're not grunge, maybe they are more metal, but they were in lumped in with that, that title. And, and by far they were the ones that, I mean, it just, I think there was a period there where it was them and Pantera. Those were the two that were my shit for a couple of years. And uh, I still love Pantera, but Alice in Chains is probably still the only band from that era that I listen to on the regular, 
even growing up on Kiss and only listening to Kiss for five years when I was a little kid, I can't say I even listened to Kiss that much, you know. <laughs> um, if you went and looked at my playlist, like I said, there's probably Alice in Chains would be top five on my iTunes playlist because it's, you know, whatever. I'll be getting in the car and be like, oh, I'm going to listen to you today. You know, I got about 7,000 bands in there. I'm like, oh, Alice in Chains. <laughs> <laughs> You know, sometimes, sometimes it may just be because they're in the A's and I scroll and they're like second or third in, but, but <laughs> none, yeah. nonetheless, it's one of them ones I can turn on. I, I don't have to skip anything. I think it's the same thing too, almost where like you're saying Pearl Jam's kind of later uh, stuff is maybe not weaker, but it's just kind of more, I don't know the word, but then Alice in Chains is like like recent stuff is just as strong as the earlier stuff. Yeah. Like I said, when I hear there's a new one comes out and I see it popped up like that, when that rainier fog came out, I was like, Oh shit. You know, <laughs> I know what I'm doing for the next hour. You know, <laughs> Starting this bitch on one and just, we're just going to rock. I can't say that I really would do that. Well, I would do that for stone temple pilots. You know, if Wyland were still in the band, I probably would, but, but, um, out of all those bands, yeah. And, and to be honest, I mean, after the new Candlebox, I would love to, I can't wait to hear what they do next because so this new record's great. But yeah, Alice in Chains for sure. It, it, it just, uh, I, and when I get there, if they come through, I'll, uh, I got to see them, you know. Problem with them is they always play those like mid-sized venues, you know. It's just like yeah. they never really headline a, a arena where they can, and they probably could do pretty well, but, you know, but I kind of dig that. They've kind of just kept a steady thing since they came back so what is that i'm blank in the singer's name is will um william duvall william duvall there you go um i actually remember something too i don't know if you remember um this but i was so glad that this album finally came out like two years ago i was a fan of allison chains and i really wasn't uh-huh. huge huge into heart but there was something from like oh five or oh six and it was supposed to be on VH1 and it was going to be like heart of, I think it was like decades rock live. So heart was going to like play like an hour long set or something. And VH1 was going to like chop it up into like a, a TV broadcast or something. And they had, I think like Carrie Underwood was going to do a song with them and then another country artist and then Allison Chains. So that's why I was tuning in. Cause I was like, this was a period where Allison Chains, you know, um, they were broken up. It was like, Oh five. So. I think Jerry was like still kind of doing a solo thing. And uh, I found out later that was actually William Duvall's first performance um, with them. But they did like two songs and the uh, heart thing. Like, I think I recorded it off TV on a VHS tape, but I lost the tape. So that's why I was glad it kind of came out last year. And that's on YouTube. Yeah, because I just saw it. Yeah, it was William's first uh, performance with them. And I, I think I remember seeing an interview and them saying that uh, what's her name really liked his voice. Uh, you know, one of the. Oh, and the yeah, they, did, they did Barracuda. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, who was the chick? They did? It was it was it, actually what it was. It was that Rock Honors. That's oh, OK. Yeah. I'm looking at. Yeah. And that Gretchen Wilson, they did Barracuda. It was Allison Chains and Gretchen Wilson. Yeah, because I thought that that thing was so cool. So it kind of like I was watching it for Allison Chains, but I left becoming a heart fan, too. Yeah, they're great, man. And yeah, even Gretchen Wilson was awesome on that. So, so. well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, dude, no problem, man. Like yeah. I said, I I love this stuff, and and you know, 
if anybody does get a little upset, again, like I said, some people like pineapple on their pizza. Some people don't. I, I'm, I'm a, I don't. So. <laughs> oh, cause I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you which way you went with that. Oh, I'm, I'm a no pine. There's, there's no re- reason for fruit on a pizza. Oh, really? You know? Um, cause, cause yeah. I would put, I put pineapple <laughs> on there before, like a Hawaiian pizza. Yeah. My wife loves that shit. I just, I just can't roll that way, man. It's just, uh, <laughs> it just, you know, a good old cheese and pepperoni or cheese and sausage or you can't go wrong. You know, there's no need for mushrooms. There's no need for all that extra. I, sometimes I feel like it's just all that. It's just too much extra shit. You know, <laughs> I, I like the simple stuff. I like a burger with ketchup and mustard. You know, I'm not really a big fan of, you know, let's put some Gouda, you know, put a, you know, some aioli, you know, <laughs> like fuck off. Give me some ketchup, mustard and a burger, you know. Oh, so, shit. Well, this yeah. interview is over. Done. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Are you not even barbecue chicken pizza then either? I mean, I wouldn't like throw in the trash, but it, would, <laughs> it wouldn't It wouldn't be my favorite, you know. Yeah. Just like I don't, you know, like. It'd be your nirvana. Here. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a place here and they have the, the um, white pizza, you know. It has the white sauce. And it's just like, yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, it's. Not bad, but it's just like, I'm, I'm down with the classics, man. I just, some things you just can't deny. Again, a hot dog with ketchup and mustard or even just mustard, you know, <laughs> you know, you get, get in trouble in Chicago saying that we want ketchup on this shit. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Like I didn't even know that was a thing until recently, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so you just, you know, I, I'm all about that stuff, you know, keep it simple. There's just, there's something, something to be said about that. All right, man. Well, thank you, dude. This was fun. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, cool, man. Yep. Um, we'll have to do a pizza podcast soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll t- we'll taste test some, man. Yeah. Um, all right, man. We'll <laughs> take it easy, Corey. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. All right, bye.